You're listening to the Product Podcast from Product School, featuring the best product leaders from Silicon Valley and beyond. If you're an aspiring product manager looking for your first PM role or an experienced PM looking to level up your skills and advance your career, visit productschool.com to learn about our certifications and how we'll get you there. In this episode, Nicola, a product leader from Waymo, demystifies the industry's heartbeat using Porter's five forces. Walk us through the intricate dance of competition, the tug of war with suppliers and buyers, and the looming specter of substitutes. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. My name is Nicola. I'm a program manager at Waymo, and today I will be talking about Porter's five forces. Five forces are a framework defined by Michael Porter in the 80s that is aimed to help you analyze and look at a specific market and identify what are the key factors that regulate profitability and competition. There are five forces, and we're going to look into them, find some examples, and then try to apply to a specific case study. So let's dive in. The first force that we're going to look at is the threats of new entrants, which basically helps you understand how easy or difficult it is for new competitors to enter an industry and begin offering a product or a service to consumers. When you think about it, the key factors here are like the capital requirements, the learning curve, so how expensive is to get in, enter this industry, how hard and how much do I need to learn before I'm able to get in, what are the legal barriers, are there like any specific economy of scale that I need to be concerned of, how important is the brand, and so on. And the reason here that we look at this specific factor is that the lower the barrier, the more player might enter a specific sector, and so the more competitive the specific sector becomes and the risk of commoditize your product which will eventually erode your margins and profits. So some example here, the airplane manufacturing industry, so Boeing or Airbus, for example, has very high capital requirements, very steep learning curve, a legal bar into getting a regulatory approval, which makes it fairly hard for new players to get in. And that's why the sector is actually an oligopoly and has very low threats of new androids. On the opposite side, if we take like coffee shops, very low capital requirements compared to Boeing, of course, easy of learn, learning the skills and how much it might take you to learn those. The product differentiation is fairly low, like low brand loyalty as well, whether it's Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, a local coffee shop. This makes the sector very easy for players to get in, has like fairly high threats of new entrants and low barrier of entry. When we move to our second force, then we have supplier bargaining. We'll see supplier bargaining power and buyer bargaining power. They're the same type of concept, but on different sides. On the supplier side, the idea is to see how much influence on cost, availability and quality of inputs a specific supplier might have on the player operating in this industry. So the key factor that we want to look here is like how important volume is to supplier, how much pull through there is from end customers, and we'll see what it means. Whether there is a threat of forward integration, so whether there is a risk of the supplier to actually forward integrate and enter the specific sector we're looking at. The switching cost from one supplier to another, availability of substitute, and so on. And you know, the bigger the supplier uh, leverage they might have on a specific sector, the higher the risk that you're gonna soon little by little lose your margins on your profit, and they're gonna move through the supplier's uh, side. Uh, some example here, you know, in the aerospace industry, Rolls-Royce have a very strong bargaining power over the manufacturer. Uh, that's why there is low availability of substitutes. Not that many other companies provide the same product for Rolls-Royce do for aviation. High differentiation and high switching cost is very hard for Boeing to switch from Rolls-Royce to another provider without having to reimagine a lot of their supply chain. 
and also like high legal barrier to get regulatory approval, which makes them fairly strong in being the one supplier that is kind of authorized in, in providing some services. The other side, the construction industry, if you think about it, like cement, wood, any type of construction material has very low differentiation. Any type of cement will likely do very low switching cost. You, you know, uh, builders can kind of work the way around any type of changes. And so that makes it like very low bargaining power. So when there is a deal that needs to be negotiated on the supply side, there is very low bargaining power towards the buyer side. Now, the other side of the spectrum is the buyer's bargaining power. This means basically like how much power your end consumer customers have over your uh, product, like how much they are able to influence your supply, your margins, and so on, right? And so a few key factors here is like the importance of the volume. Like if I have very few customers and so they represent the majority of my output and my sales, they're going to have a very strong uh, impact on my ability to set price. But if I have many customers, then I'm going to be able to not care that much if one customer is not willing to pay a specific price. And so that's one way threat of backward integration is like, what is the chances of like these specific customers to come into my space and like kind of get rid of my input on their side? And so some of the, you know, switching costs is always there. Buyer's information, like how aware are they of potential alternatives? How much they are aware of like the actual cost they could pay? So some example here, food retail industry. So like big food distributor like Walmart, you know, have a high purchase volume over the supply side. They have very low switching costs. They can probably like, you know, change the type of suppliers from one side to another. And a lot of availability of alternatives, you can buy fruit and meat from different type of producers. So they have a very high bargaining power, like seller wants to be in Walmart. So Walmart has a very strong bargaining power over them. Of course, that doesn't always work. Like Coca-Cola, for example, has a very strong pull through from customers, like customer wants to buy Coca-Cola. So Walmart will need to negotiate in different terms with Coca-Cola because if Coca-Cola pulls out of Walmart, Walmart will lose a material amount of customers. The opposite side is like small retail industry, like fashion boutiques. You know, if you can think of like a small shop, uh, when they go and try to buy products and items from like fashion manufacturer, they have very low purchase volume. These products have very high impact on their ability to reach customers. They have very low market control, so they will be unable to make like specific advantageous deal uh, with manufacturer. Another force is the threat of substitute. So fourth force. So what are the chances that there is another product or service that is going to provide the same type of output that your product does at a comparable price, right? So key factors here is basically like availability of substitutes. How much do they cost? Uh, do they perform at the same level? What are the switching costs? Uh, what is the willingness to, to switch, right? So industry where there is a high risk of substitutes offering like comparable or better performance at a lower or similar price have lower long-term profit margins, right? Because there is a higher chance that consumers will just kind of jump from one to another. Some example, Pfizer, pharmaceutical industry has very low sensitive to substitutes. So highly developed drugs are regulated. So it's unlikely that there is going to be something similar. They have very high product differentiation, so they will tackle different type of problems. And there is fairly low willingness to substitutes because you're looking for a specific effect from a drug. And because of that, the threats of substitute is fairly low. Of course, we're not talking about like the very kind of over-the-counter uh, drugs, but more of like highly and uh, research developed drugs. The taxi industry on the other side, uh, you, there is very low switching costs. Like you can move from one cap to another every day. 
you have comparable price, like they generally price very similarly. Performances are generally similar. You go from A to B. Product differentiation is low. Brand loyalty is low. So you're very high sensitive to subsidies. If there is another company coming in that offers like uh, taxi services, chances of like customers moving to them, it's high. If of course, like the price is comparable. And then last one is the rivalry among existing competitors. So the idea here is to try to estimate like how competitive and strong might be the rivalry among existing players. Like how much are they going to try to fight for the same part of the market versus they're going to go ahead and look for different, either different markets or try to uh, look at different segments on the market. So one important element here is the growth rate of the market. The stronger the growth rate, the how much is it expanding, the lower the chances that players will start competing amongst each other versus like just go and try to focus on specific segments. Switching costs, like if a player has very high switching cost, then it's going to be hard for them to say, okay, I'm going to just move to another market, right? So exit barriers and strategic stakes, like how important is this market to this player? And so if it becomes an existential threat, like if a market, uh, if a player is going to stop business, if it lose that market, it's going to fight very hard. But if that specific player has another opportunity and can just move easily from one side to another, it's not going to fight as hard. Uh, and, and so that kind of plays into understanding like how strong is competition. And, you know, the stronger the competition, it means like price wars, advertising battles, and, you know, need for continuous innovation, investment in R&D, which eventually will erode your ability to, to have profits and margins. So some example here, like the fast food industry, very strong rivalry, right? Like, so you have a high number of players, global players to local chains, low product diversity, low switching cost, ease of product comparison. Like it's very easy to just like compare like different products and see which one you want. High volume and low margins. So this means that like scale is very important. So basically, if you are a player in the fast food industry, you're trying to get as much of the market you can to grow your profits because your margins are small. But at the same time, you're going to have a hard time into differentiating yourself from other players. And so you're going to have to very hardly fight over segments, uh, either through like price reduction, which will reduce your margins or like through a different type of brand identity and marketing uh, and so on. If you take like other industry, like electricity distribution is very highly regulated. The uh, buyer to enter is very high. And once you're in, it's kind of like you definitely don't have that same type of pressure from new players coming in. And so there is generally low rivalry through different entities in those uh, sector. Now we're going to try to look at these five forces that we analyzed. So again, threats of new entrants, supplier bargaining powers, buyer bargaining powers, risk of alternative products and rivalry. And we're going to try to apply this concept to the U.S. mutual fund industry and understand like what are the key factors that drive competition and like profitability, as well as like how appealing might be to enter this sector. Just as a definition, a mutual fund is an investment fund that pulls money from like many investors to purchase securities. For securities, we mean like equities, bonds, commodities, real estate, or the financial instrument. And, you know, the customers on, on this industry are either large investors like pension funds or retail investors, like many small players, individual entities, right? And so that's the customer side. And the supply side instead is for the most part, like financial data uh, and analysis services. So like what's the material and services that the US mutual fund has to purchase to operate? So they need like financial data, they need IT, 
some human management, and of course, like legal and compliance services. So that's kind of the very rough level uh, and high level, the supply chain. So when we think about threats of new entrants, right? Like then we can split into like, what is problematic? Like what is actually something that increases the threats of new entrants? And the things that comes to mind here is like technologic advancement. So rise of FinTech and, you know, different type of products like ETF, RoboAdvisor, uh, user-friendly investment platform like Robinhood are probably like pulling oxygen and customers from the US mutual fund sector. Someone might be interested into say like, I'm just gonna buy an ETF instead of like a mutual fund, but for different reasons that we look into. So that increase the threats of new entrants, right? Like entities that are gonna come into the sector and kind of disrupt the, the status quo. On the other side, on the beneficial is you really need a lot of capital to enter this market. Your brand needs to be very strong to acquire customers. And there is a very strong economy of scale and learning. Like it's not that easy to understand what works and what not. And you need large scale to actually generate profits. You can't operate at a very local level. And so this reduced the threats of new entrants at the same time. And the supply of bargaining power, uh, it's very little problematic in my opinion low threats of forward integration like it's unlikely that someone that provides it support or like uh, you know financial data is going to enter and start providing us mutual uh, mutual funds and so there is low concentration as well there is no single group that holds significant influence over mutual fund companies like the services are purchased from different entities the switching costs are not as high uh, so as a player in the mutual fund industry you don't have that much fear from suppliers and also pull through from end customers. You know, some you can consider like the, so from the supply side, the human management side, like, so basically your employees, there are some brand manager, fund managers that might be very attractive, but overall you don't have that much of a power in their hands. And on the buyer side, you find a fairly similar situation with a small exception. Like there is very low differentiation among products. So that increases a little bit of the buyer power. Uh, but the information available for buyers is, despite the amount being high, uh, very low in terms of like buyers being able to process those information and extract directional uh, inputs. And the switching cost for mutual for individual investors are not that high, but for institutional clients, uh, they're very high. So pension fund. And in both cases, there's a lot of research and transition and learning that are necessary to do that. So. Customers generally tend to stick around uh, when you pick mutual fund. Uh, and then of course, like another thing that is important is like the cost of the product is fairly low. Like if you think about a mutual fund, uh, a pension fund that is buying billions of dollars of securities, the cost that a mutual fund might charge them for is very minimal. And so you are not that interested into changing mutual fund for saving, you know, a small percentage of that already small cost compared to the, your total investment. Threats of substitutes, we touched this already, probably one of the most problematic areas. There's a lot of substitutes coming out, you know, from ETF, uh, CDs, edge funds, all type of products that offer similar performances at a comparable price, right? And again, like what probably is limiting the big shift from consumer side is the high switching cost that are needed to kind of move from one product to another. And of course, one, one thing that is also worth mentioning is like this type of forces variate also depending on other factors like economical and market trends. Like with in a market where interest rates are very high, then, you know, CDs becomes a much more appealing compared to mutual funds. Uh, but in a market with low interest, then 
that's not as appealing. So mutual funds becomes more appealing in their ability to generate profits and returns. Forces are not change and, and might vary depending on like the geopolitical, economical and market conditions. Lastly, the rivalry among existing competitors. It's a lot of firms operating in this industry and each of them has very strategic stakes. It's very hard for a firm operating in the mutual fund to just change sectors and offer a different a product. So there's a very strong investment in staying into this market, which means they'll fight very hard to not be defeated. And on top of that is strong economy of scale, which means that players need and are looking to increase the market share so that they can increase profits without increasing as much their cost because there's big scale. So big players will try to fight to get much and more and more and more market share all the time. The market is fairly mature, has a slow growth, which also intensify competition. Products are fairly similar. Uh, you know, segmentation is you know split between institutional segments and retail investment in the investors. And on the beneficial side, you know, you can think about brand importance. So firms like Vanguard and Fidelity have a strong brand recognition, which mitigate the rivalry to some extent because they don't need to fight that much. And also like the switching cost on the uh, consumer side makes it so that like fighting is not as productive because consumers will not change that easily. So uh, that kind of mitigate something that otherwise would be a much more intense aspect of the industry. So just to have a recap, right? We talk about five forces, threats of new entrants, supplier bargaining powers, buyer powers, threats of substitutes and industry rivalry and how these forces can be used to understand how, what are the dynamics and the powers that uh, regulate a specific market, in particularly with an eye of how competitive it is and what are the profit margins, both in the short term and the long term. And then we try to apply this concept to the mutual fund industry, where we see that while mature and like fairly competitive, the mutual fund industry probably has still more, it's more attractive than repellent from a profitability and perspective. You know, key challenges here are probably like the ability to maintain a differentiated product between ETFs and other emerging uh, services. That was it. Uh, I hope you uh, found this useful and please let me know in any comments if there's a question, I'll be to follow up. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to the Product Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Taking the time to write just a few sentences about what you love most about the show will help us improve it and reach even more product people around the world. And when you're done, why not reward yourself with some free product management content and resources over at productschool.com. Until next time, stay product-led.